From the Beantown Athletic Studio in Boston, this is the Danny Picard Show, Friday, September 30th, 2016. Today's show presented by Beantown Athletics, your number one source for screen printing and embroidery. From designing to printing, Beantown Athletics does it all. Get a free quote for your customized apparel right now by calling 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Send them an email, beantownathletics at gmail.com or visit their website, beantownathletics.com. And oh yeah, hockey season right around the corner. So don't forget to bring your skates into Beantown Athletics on Granite Avenue, Dorchester for a quick shopping before the season begins. Welcome to the show. Got a good one for you today. As I tweeted out earlier, you can follow me on Twitter at Danny Picard. An action-packed podcast today. Uh, I will close it out with picks picks for week four in the National Football League. I'm currently five and ten through three weeks, but I went three and two last week. I had an awful week one. I improved in week two. I improved even more in week three. Three and two last week, and I look forward to to improving even more. Four and one, maybe a perfect week four. I'm feeling good about my picks. So I'll close out the show as I do every Friday with a segment that we call Picks Picks, five NFL games with the spread. This one for week four in the National Football League. Also today, the one and only Slain joined me in studio this week. Make sure to get his new EP, Slain is Dead. That is available now wherever albums or EPs are sold or can be listened to. He actually uh, brought by an actual CD to the studio, which is sitting in front of me. I didn't even know they still made CDs, but uh, I guess I was wrong because I'm looking at one right now. Uh, So Slain joined me in studio. I'll play that conversation for you in just a few minutes. And also, in just a few moments, I'll be debuting a new daily fantasy sports segment with our new daily fantasy sports expert, Rob Gomes. He will join me every Friday during the NFL season. Uh, So we will get to that presented by CrossFit 617. Uh, But first, I got to get something out of the way. It's sort of the elephant in the room, but only he's not an elephant. He's my producer. His name is Pete Needham. And if you didn't listen to this podcast when we first relaunched and rebranded about two years ago inside the Beantown Athletic Studio, um, then maybe you don't know who he is. Pete, why don't you reintroduce yourself to the audience, and I'll explain where the fuck you've been for the last year and a half. I'm Sit- back, baby. Yeah, he's back. I'm All back, right, mic- I just wanted to make sure the microphone the was mic working. The mic still works. It still works. How are you feeling over there? You feeling good? It feels good to be back in this chair. I'll, if, tell, you I'll tell you something right now. It feels good. You know what feels great? Not being in here by myself. Just losing my mind over shit, looking at a, a looking out the window. Like I, honestly, sometimes that gets depressing. That gets really depressing, and I leave here sometimes thinking, I just sat in a room for three hours and yelled and talked to myself. Now you know what the best part. It gets is, psychotic because right? I'm still here every day. Yeah, I see you through the glass, bobbing your head up and down. <laughs> so it's it's pretty animated as it as the day goes uh, on. So let me explain to the audience where Pete's been. So here at Beantown Athletics, long story short, if Pete had to leave this situation as the producer because if he didn't, the the roof would have collapsed there at Beantown Athletics. That's a true story. It would have literally collapsed, and this place wouldn't exist. Uh, the lights wouldn't work. The TV in front of me wouldn't work. I would not have electricity to run this show. Uh, Pete Needham needs to be back there doing everything that they do here at Beantown Athletics, so that's why we needed to sort of 
separate for a little bit. But now we're I'd... doing this show twice a week. It's a new schedule. We're, you know, we're working on some things to get you in here. Pete Needham, my producer, he is back. I'm back, baby. Are we calling it full time? I mean, what? Yeah, we'll, well call it's it two times a week. Part time, full time. Part time, full time. Part time, full time. That's do that. what we're doing. Pete, actually, the last time I think you were in here with me, Tom Brady was just being accused of Deflategate. It was still tight. Yeah. <laughs> right? Now right. he's, was still he's accepted the suspension, and uh, he's been out the first three games of the NFL season. He's going to miss one more game, and I can't wait to just get through Bills week and get through this Patriots-Bills game and get to week five in Cleveland with Tom Brady returning. But, uh, Pete, good to have you back. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be back. I'm All right, and, and, you know, we'll, obviously Pete is going to be a, a major part of this show moving forward. And again, it just feels good to have a producer in the studio with me. Company feels good. Yeah, it Company. does. Company yeah. does feel very good. And what felt very good last night was watching a pick of mine actually be correct, which was Cincinnati minus seven at home against the Dolphins. You know what? I keep getting these Thursday night games right. And I'm not even putting them as part as my picks. So I can't even technically count them. But I get Cincinnati right last night. Uh, they beat the Dolphins 22-7 to and begin week four in the NFL. You know what I was doing, though? I was going back and forth with this game and the Red Sox game. Red Sox against the Yankees. Now, the Red Sox clinched the division. Last night was sort of a, hey, we went partying hard the night before. People hung over. Let's give some guys the night off. So I did, Henry Owens is on the mound. You don't really take this one too seriously, even though the Red Sox are still playing for home field advantage in the playoffs. Look, they got 92 wins uh, going into this weekend series, the final regular season series. Uh, it's against the Toronto Blue Jays at home, and it's going to be a big one because, again, the Red Sox are playing for home field. But Thursday night's game, last night's game, it just kind of – I wasn't really into it. And they clinched the division the night before. It was the most awkward – divisional clinching celebration you will ever see in your life based on the fact that the Yankees came back and hit a walk-off home run in the ninth inning and the Red Sox collapsed in the game. But I'm willing to give them a free pass because I think they understood that they clinched and I think the emotions that go along with that, it's sort of a weight-off-your-shoulders type of feel and I think you might lose some of that edge that you would have if you didn't think you clinched and you knew you needed to win the game. I, I think that's just human nature. I'm willing to give him a pass, but it makes for an awkward celebration. So you get the celebration, you get sort of the hungover game last night. But really what last night was in this Red Sox-Yankees game was David Ortiz and his final appearance at Yankee Stadium as a player. For the Red Sox, but as a player in general. Big Poppy retiring after the season. I wrote a column in the Boston Metro this week, which you can check out not only in print, but also on their website. I've been putting it out on Twitter and Facebook. How I tell you, David Ortiz is the American League MVP. He is my pick for American League MVP, and I don't even think it's up for debate this season. But Big Poppy, last night in the Bronx, they're going to have a ceremony for him before the game. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, this is going to be special. You know, Derek Jeter, the Red Sox gave Derek Jeter sort of an over-the-top ceremony. Congratulations on a great career. Um, you know, you're retiring. Here's a couple of gifts. We'll bring the team out. We'll have a great moment for you at Fenway. You know, nice, nice moment. I thought nice job by the Red Sox. Was it over the top? Yeah, but I mean, I still enjoyed it. I'm thinking Yankees are going to do something similar to that with David Ortiz. They didn't. The ceremony last night, the Yankees held for David Ortiz was as pathetic a ceremony as you could possibly get. Now, I understand the rivalry. All right. Nobody has lived the rivalry, uh, you know, more than I have. I've been right there with everybody in Red Sox Nation, with every Yankee fan in this rivalry. 
But a reason this rivalry has been so great is also because of David Ortiz and what he's been able to do. And the rivalry, is it brings an entertainment value that we all embrace. And what I think Yankee fans and even the Yankee organization should be embracing is the fact that David Ortiz, again, provided that entertainment. You know, people have this rivalry thing like, oh, we can't, the Yankee, I see all these Yankee fans, oh, we can't root for David Ortiz. I, look, I hate the Yankees like, like nobody else. But you know what I did when Derek Jeter was, was calling it quits in the final days of his, of his career? And it might have been a little different because the Yankees weren't going to playoffs. But when Derek Jeter, his final home game, I watched that on TV on my couch. And if you remember that final home game, it was the game he had the walk-off hit. To begin the game, I think it was his first at bat, he hit one to left field off the wall. When that thing went off his bat, I jumped off my couch. As a Red Sox fan, I was yelling, get out, get out. I wanted to see him hit a home run. And then when he walked it off with a base hit, what, to right field, he took it the other way? I was up off my couch cheering for the guy. Like, I I thought it was a great moment. I, I embrace the history of the game to, to the point where the rivalry, sure, it's still there, but I'm going to put that aside for just a few minutes. Did I feel dirty as fuck after that game? After watch, after cheering for Jeter and cheering for the Yankees? Yes. I took a shower after for like an hour. Okay? I didn't want to remember it the next day, but I did it. And what, you know, the point, the moral of the story is, I hear all these Yankee fans, oh, they're going to boo Ortiz, or some of them are booing Ortiz, or, you know, they, they didn't want the Yankees to give him a ceremony. Fuck that. This is a Hall of Famer, and you come out with that shit, that's a piece of shit ceremony the Yankees gave David Ortiz last night. I'm sorry, it is. They gave him a painting? The painting was terrible. Who, had, who, who did that? Now, I'm not telling you that I could come anywhere close to painting somewhere that, painting something that good, but for somebody, if they're going to get a professional painter to, to paint something for David Ortiz, First things first, why are you giving him a blue jersey at Yankee Stadium? It's the Friday night road jersey. Give him the gray jersey with his name on his back. That's the, that pisses me off. You didn't even get the uniform right. Like, that is just stupid. And the idea of it's cool, but that should have been the first gift. Like, the, the, all right, Mariano Rivera came out. Ellsbury came out. Ortiz probably hates Ellsbury's guts, okay? Because he's a pussy. He probably hates him. Oh, you roll Ellsbury out. Um, oh, all right. Who, who came out? David Cohn? Is that who came out? Like, what else was going on there? Where was Jeter? Where was Derek Jeter last night? Did you know where to be found? What's he doing? Editing the Players' Tribune? He doesn't edit that shit. He puts money towards it and he walks away and he has other people handle it. I don't understand. That was, a, that was an awful celebration last night. A ceremony. It just, he deserved better. And people talk about, well, it's the rivalry. Red Sox-Yankees hate each other. I hate the Yankees more than anybody in this town. And I was up off my couch rooting for Jeter in his final days. And you know what? If the Yankees can't do that, then fuck them. That's the way I feel about it. Anyways. Um, again, David Ortiz, AL MVP. And I say that with no sentimental value. That's just a fact. That's the, that's the way it should be. No sentimental value in that pick. I'm telling you right now. I promise you that. But NFL last night, that week four began. Bengals win 22-7. Here's a little update on what's going on with the Bengals. They're 2-2. Two and two. Uh, The Dolphins now, what, 1-3. and three. And, uh, you know, the Miami Dolphins, I, I guess this game kind of says more about the Bengals to me than anything else because they kicked five field goals. And I just cannot forget the way Garoppolo was throwing all over the Dolphins in the first half of that game in week two. 
And, and you know, we give the Bengals so much credit for having this big, overpowering offense. But, I mean, they're dis- they just continue to disappoint. I, I, we're, I'm not so sure Dalton's the guy. People love Dalton. I'm just not sure he's the guy. So, I, I guess that's my takeaway from that game is that you kick five field goals. But, really, what is what are the Miami Dolphins? You're at home. And I just think that was a perfect game for Cincinnati. To Yeah, they won it. But, to me, they, it wasn't like convincing fashion. And the Bengals are always this team, this popular pick that people have to do something special, and I never pick them, and I'm waiting for them to show me something. All right, they got the win last night on Thursday night, but they didn't really show me anything, right? So I guess that's my takeaway. It was a win, but it was kind of a dull win. And I think if you're still high on the Bengals, you need to come come down off that high and, and bring it back down to earth because the Bengals are not a special team this season. So uh, as we continue week four in the NFL on Sunday, just again, I'm going to make my picks at the end of the show. And before I bring my daily fantasy sports expert, Rob Gomes, into the studio here, he's just sitting back waiting patiently. I see him stretching over there. Um, I just want to go over a couple of games that we have. It begins in case you don't know. And I didn't know this until I actually was looking at the spreads the other day. Indy and Jacksonville, the Colts are playing the Jaguars. This game is at Wembley Stadium. So this is going to be like, what, a 9.30 a.m. start? Some people love it because they're like, oh, football all day. Like, I get football for breakfast, lunch, dinner. I'm like, dude, I don't need that much football. I like football as much as everybody else, but I do not need to wake up in the morning, brush my teeth, and see the Jaguars playing the Colts in London. Like, I just don't need to see that. So uh, somebody can maybe update me on that score. The Colts and the Jaguars. Jaguars are a three-point dog. People had some special... People thought they were going to be a special team, maybe. And, and look, they kept that week one game close with Green Bay. But the Jaguars, you see it. They suck. And Bortles is coming out talking about how, oh, like we need, you know, we need to look each other in the eye in that locker room. And, and it's, you know, it's tough to do because we're lo- the things that he's saying, I don't like that either. Jaguars, they're terrible. They should lose this game. But at the same time, you know, the Colts have been disappointed. But maybe that final touchdown drive against San Diego last week, Sort of gets them gets them going, but you ne- you never pick a game that's gonna be overseas nine thirty. You just stay away from that. Jaguars are plus three though, in case you were wondering. Cleveland is in Washington to take on the Redskins. Redskins seven and a half point favorite. Uh, the Bills here in New England to take on the Patriots. The Patriots six point favorite. I'm gonna get to that game in a minute. The Seahawks are in New York to take on the Jets. Uh, we'll see what's up with Russell Wilson. Uh, the Jets are a two-and-a-half-point dog at home. And the Panthers, they are in Atlanta to take on the Falcons. Falcons are three-and-a-half-point dog at home. Detroit is in Chicago. This just has the makings to be a terrible game uh, with just a weird score. The Bears are a three-point dog at home. Um, how many home dogs do we have here to begin this week at 1 o'clock? The Titans are in Houston. This is going to be a good game. I'm, I'm going to have my eye on this one. Houston's a five-point favorite. J.J. Watt out for the season now. Oakland is in Baltimore. The Ravens are a three-point favorite. The Broncos are in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, a home dog, a three-point dog at home. Dallas is in San Francisco. The 49ers, a home dog, two-and-a-half-point dog at home. New Orleans is in San Diego. San Diego, a four-point favorite in this one. Uh, The Rams in Arizona. Arizona, seven-and-a-half-point favorite at home. 
Kansas City, Sunday Night Football. They are in Pittsburgh. Steel is a lot going on with them. The return of Le'Veon Bell. And Kansas City, maybe the return of Jamal Charles? Maybe. But Pittsburgh, a five-and-a-half-point favorite at home on Sunday Night Football against Kansas City. And Monday Night Football, the Giants in Minnesota. Uh, the Vikings impressing me, and uh, they're undefeated. I did not think they'd be undefeated. They lose Peterson. They trade a first-round pick for Sam Bradford, but yet here they are with an awesome defense. As we knew, they had an awesome defense, but holding Carolina to 10 points last week in Carolina, um, that just goes to show Minnesota's defense is for real. The Vikings, a five-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. So that's what week four in the NFL looks like. I'll Again, I'll get to my picks to close out the show, but right now what we're going to do is we're going to debut a new segment here with my new daily fantasy sports expert. He goes by the name of Rob Gomes, and I should also mention this. A conversation with Rob Gomes is presented by CrossFit 617. Train hard, live healthy, feel better. Sign up today for a free one-week trial at CrossFit617.com. Rob, what's going on? Welcome to the show. How's it going? How's it going? Yeah, I'm basically just ready to talk some DFS on the Danny Picard. Show. Are you? Now, the, the history of, the, of Rob Gomes in daily fantasy sports is interesting. For people that don't know, when they are watching NFL games, I think all over the country, right? They are looking at your mug, looking up at a TV, shitting your pants because you don't know if you're about to win a million dollars or not. I just want to let people know, the person that's sitting in my studio right now is the guy that's on the DraftKings commercials who won the million dollars. Yeah, no, uh, well, I think at this point they might have taken them down. They don't play that commercial anymore? I, I do not. Oh, that's too bad. I, they, I think they just kind of <laughs> axed it at the beginning of the year. It was going until probably the end of the summer. But, uh, yeah, basically sitting in, sitting in my mom's restaurant and winning a million bucks. That's kind of. Do you like watching that commercial? Happened. I hate it. Do people just shit on you nonstop about that? I it was cool for like the first couple of weeks, and then like it got like oh look at this guy like and then you're like oh he sucks, and you're like oh <laughs> oh that's me like you know what I mean like <laughs> wait did people know. do you ever hear have you ever heard someone going like have you ever been been in the room and somebody said somebody doesn't know that that's you and they're like I fucking hate this commercial I hate this kid that's looking up at the TV biting his fingernails you ever hear that and go hey. That's me biting my fingernails. And by the way, buddy, I won a million bucks. I was that kid in bed with my girlfriend, and I was like, look at this. Holy shit. I hate this fucking kid. Let me ask you this. Now, I had heard that they had photoshopped out the Tom Brady jersey that you were wearing. They did do that. True? You should never, ever, 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 ever do that. That's uh, a sin. That's greatest a sin. all time, Tom Brady. That they probably had. I mean, they obviously had to. But, but in the beginning, when they first ran it, he had it on. You could see it. And then the more and more they showed you had, it. It's the... the Pat Patriot, red, old school, yep. yeah. retro. I think we all know the commercial. Yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah we've all seen it a million, <laughs> a million times. times, and you won a million bucks. Uh, how has your life changed since then? Is that a stupid question? I just I laugh when I ask that question. Like, tell me, tell you're a regular guy after winning a million bucks. Tell me more. Uh, basically, not not really much has changed. Uh, I kind of do a lot of this and basically play DFS as much as I possibly can. I like the DFS acronym. Never heard that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like I guess. I play DraftKings all the time, and I just okay. I just kind of throw my money. All out. right, um, but you—that's that, you know—you do stuff with DraftKings after you won a million bucks. Like you're still with them right now. Uh, no, not right now, but I still like 
I that's where I play. Um, I'd like to probably get back to that point, but we'll see. A oh, free agent. You're a DFS free I'm a agent. Free agent. Yeah. Is that what you are? Exactly. Well, you have a fantasy segment right here on this show every Friday, and it begins right now. So let's get right to it. I gotta ask you, week four. When I look at the first thing I do is I look at I gotta have this guy. Like this is the guy I gotta have. Do you? Is there somebody out there right now for week four that you got to have? Like, if somebody's about to make their picks for DFS, is there someone you got to have this week in week four? So, for me, it's kind of, like, dependent on Vegas. I go to Vegas first. I'll look at the spread, look at the total. Then I'll try to look at, think about the game flow and, like, where the game's going to go and try to predict the player's narrative within the game flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, for where I basically guy this week who I like uh, – the game I kind of see. I look at that St. Louis, um, the St. Louis versus the Arizona Cardinals. Last week, Carson Palmer had a really, really rough week. I think he threw four picks. I see a real comeback game for him. Oh yeah, week. me too. This week, like I really feel like they're gonna throw all over that team, and the St. Louis defense kind of funnels um, offenses to the pass. And I also think that the way the board plays out on DraftKings, like you'll see, Kirk Cousins is right above Carson Palmer, and he should be a pretty highly owned guy. I think a lot of people kind of stay away from Palmer because of last week, and mm-hmm. I'll take Palmer for the 200 less. He's the guy that I'm really targeting at the QB position. Uh, I I'm, I would go with Palmer, too. I mean, my quarterbacks that I look at right now, I think that first and foremost, when you say bounce back, the first name I think of is Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, the Steelers, they got whooped by the Eagles last week. I know it was in Philly, and I know Carson Wentz is someone right now that – is 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 looking like he's going to have a great NFL career throwing the football and what he's able to do with his physical abilities. But you got to think that Ben Roethlisberger coming home, Sunday night football, I know it's against a good Kansas City team and a good Kansas City defense, but at the same time, they put up three points last week. You got to think when it comes to bounce backs that Ben Roethlisberger is going to bounce back from a three-point week, especially he's got Le'Veon Bell returning. I mean, there's a lot going on there. Ben Roethlisberger is somebody that I immediately look at when I think of bounce back and sort of the I, I gotta have. Even though he's going, I mean, it might be deceiving because of Kansas City's defense and they're so good. But I, it, would you stay away from Roethlisberger because of Kansas City's D? No, I love Big Ben, actually. I think a lot of people are going to be targeting that high-totaled Saints and Chargers game. Um, and I think that you can really get value if you're looking to buy get a high QB. Instead of going Drew Brees, um, you can go to Big Ben. Uh, they'll see the Saints secondaries second in the league versus the pass. Don't believe it. Bullshit. Uh, Marcus Peters, they'll think, oh, he's going to be covering Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown didn't have a great week last week. Not going to be Peters. It's going to be Gaines uh, for the majority of the week. Um, I also really like Big Ben because I think a lot of people are going to be on Le'Veon Bell. And I think that it's kind of a good leverage play in a sense. Like, I don't think Lever- Le'Veon Bell is going to come out and have the top like top tier running back week one running back put up those kind of numbers week one uh he could possibly he's gonna be heavily utilized but I just think that the guy that you could you should the tandem that you should target in that offense is Big Ben and Antonio Brown I mean what happens to D'Angelo Williams now he just goes to the bench yeah that's how it was last year I think it was like, but this week though I mean you mentioned him I mean, what's the workload gonna be for Le'Veon Bell the first game back Last year, I think it was 83% of the snaps once uh, Le'Veon Bell came back that he was in on. So that's pretty good. Uh, and you mentioned Carson Palmer. I agree. I think Arizona, much like they did to Tampa Bay after they lost to the Patriots, they put up 40 points. I think they're going to do something similar at home against the Rams. I mean, you look at Carson Palmer's numbers at home versus the road. 
it's so much better at home. So Carson Palmer is somebody that I guess, you know, maybe got to have. My quarterbacks, Roethlisberger, Carson Palmer. Um, do you look at a specific position? Like, do, do you think quarterback first or, or, or no? I just when you try, make a pick, I look at the slate and I kind of try to go where I think everyone's going to go and try to go the opposite of more of like the contrarian mind. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to own Le'Veon Bell this week. That's why I think that it's a good play, like what you said with Big Ben. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I probably wouldn't wouldn't roster Le'Veon. I think there's better uh, value in the lower end in terms of running back. Yeah. Uh, so he's kind of someone that I'm going to stay away from and then I'm going to try to build my lineup in a different All way. All right. When I mention you got to have him. Demarco Murray. Uh, you got to have Demarco Murray. Houston, their run defense uh, this season, they are 26th in the NFL, 105 rush yards per game they are allowing. Demarco Murray, he's getting better and better by the week. It seems like they're, they're utilizing him uh, you know, better and better in Tennessee. What do you have, over 100 rush yards last week against an Oakland defense that, that – Played pretty well. I know Oakland defense had, had kind of got lit up the previous two weeks, but I mean, I just think Demarco Murray in this game, Houston's been giving up a lot of rush yards. You know, JJ Watt, I think th- that defense is going to be trying to do some crazy things without him and figure out a way to handle things without him. Uh, I-, I just think Demarco Murray is someone you got to have. Yeah, Tennessee's trying to get back on track, too. Um, basically, I could definitely see them utilizing Murray. I think Mariota is going to have a good game as well. Uh, for me, I, I look, I'm looking at Melvin Gordon. Uh, that game is very highly totaled. But I think that San Diego's lost so much on the offensive side of the football with Keenan Allen, uh, Gates, Danny Woodhead. Well, Gates is kind of questionable at this point. Um, but I just think that they're going to feed um, Melvin Gordon and try to play keep away from Drew Brees in mm. that sense. I, don't, I like both running backs in that game. I don't know. The total's as high, it is, as high as it is, obviously, because of the two quarterbacks. But I think you can make hay with both. It's backs. almost like whoever New Orleans is playing against, you look at the guys on that, that team. So right? in, so in the NFL, so you think about like in baseball when the Rockies play at Coors, uh, everyone goes flocks to roster people in that game, mm-hmm. in those games. Um, they think the same thing with the Saints, but the only thing is the Saints aren't the same team on the road, much like the Rockies aren't the same thing on the road as well. They don't put up the same numbers. Uh, Drew Brees doesn't play that well on the road. Uh, secondaries it's whatever, but I just don't think that they put up the same, like two weeks ago, what they put the giants. I think it was the giants versus the saints. That game was highly totaled. Everyone kind of picking guys for that game. And I stayed away. I didn't roster any of those players just because I didn't see the value. I, I know I don't like breeze on the road outside of the Superdome and I don't like Eli at home. Uh, in this case, I'll probably stay away from that highly total game because I just know everyone will be owning people from that game. But I like the running backs because they're probably going to own the quarterbacks and receivers. Um, I'm going to get back to that New Orleans theory. You pick people that New Orleans is playing against because New Orleans defense is terrible. I'll get, I'll get to that in a minute. In, in the Superdome. Ha- in the Superdome. Not, uh, not, on, not on the road. No? no I, would still, I would still pick it on the road. Well, people think that it's still going to be that way, but Drew Brees allows its play, helps the other team's quarterback in their offense in that way. You know what I'm trying to I say? I know what you're trying to say. I just – I. It's just not something I would do. And he I'm, doesn't play as well on the road, so. I, I get what you're saying, but I'm 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 taking I'm still taking someone from San Diego, and I'm gonna get to that I'm yep. gonna get to that player in a second, but I want to stick with running backs. All right. Because Legarrette Blunt, I feel like there's good value there, and I Very feel like good. there's great value there, and I feel like if you actually see that value and you don't put him on your team uh, for daily fantasy sports, 
then you're not doing it right. I mean, LeGarrette Blunt right now, especially where we look at the Patriots quarterback situation, you don't know what's going on, even though I think it's crazy watching video of Garoppolo throw the football this week at practice. If we think he's not playing, if you think he's not playing, then you haven't seen the video of him throwing. I think Garoppolo is playing in this game. But at the same time, LeGarrette Blunt has been somebody, especially in the second half, that it's like, hey, pound it, pound it, pound it. There isn't one guy in this league that wants to tackle LeGarrette Blunt. He's the AFC Offensive Player of the Month in the first month for a reason, and I don't think he's going to slow down. I think this is someone that's still going to hand the ball off to when they get down into the red zone. It's still going to be somebody that's going to pound it a lot in the second half especially because nobody wants to tackle him late in the game. Blunt, great value. I'm looking at five grand... He's got to be on your on your roster. Blunt will get sixty percent of his points at the, in during the second half. In the first half, yeah. if he scores a touchdown, you're off to the races. He's going to get over twenty carries. They've been doing that since there's been a backup quarterback playing for New England, whether it's Gar- Gar- Garoppolo or Brissett. Um, for me, I like Blunt. I also like James White just because of how frequently that Rex likes the blitz. They dump it off to James White. Um, he should get some catches in that. And in, in like when the Bills decide to do that. Uh, but, yeah, Blount would be a pretty good play. Uh, makes sense for me. I'm I'm actually, in terms of, like, where I'm going right now, I'm going Jordan Howard at 3,700. Uh, Jeremy Langford's out for four to seven weeks for Chicago, mm-hmm. and I really never pass up on a running back that'll probably get 21 to 24 touches uh, in a week and also catch passes. That's the other thing about DFS and what Blount doesn't do. He doesn't catch passes. That's why I kind of moved towards Jordan Howard. All right. Well, my guy that I was going to mention that's not a running back, that's a wide receiver. He plays for San Diego. He goes by the name of Travis Benjamin. Injuries for San Diego. I just think Benjamin, he's somebody who his his price continues to increase week by week. There's a reason for that. But I still think at, what, just under 6000 Travis Benjamin, given what New Orleans defense is, I mean, you know, you don't have Keenan Allen. Danny Woodhead is also out. I mean, Benjamin's a weapon that that Philip Rivers is going to use, and he's going to use it against New Orleans. I mean, Benjamin at just under six thousand to me, that's great value at the wide receiver position, is it not? You have Benjamin, and so does the rest of the country. How do you feel about that? Um, I don't give a fuck about the rest of the country. But you do if you're playing GPPs, because you want to be able to kind of differentiate yourself as much as possible. A guy I'm looking at, uh, thirty nine hundred, been playing outstanding, Cole Beasley, for. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, mm-hmm. just because of how Dak plays. He plays in between the hashes. Cole hasn't hit pay dirt yet. Uh, I think he's going to hit it this week. Um, and they're playing San Fran. And what happens with San Fran is San Fran runs a play every 23 seconds. And the t- they usually run the most offensive snaps per week. The second team that runs the second most is the team that they play. There's going to be a lot of opportunity for Beasley. He's someone that I'm targeting. Dez is hurt. Um, that's where I'm kind of – that's my pivot in terms of Travis Benjamin. You can get him at – a couple thousand less. Um, Terrell Pryor. So, is everybody picking him? Terrell Pryor. I mean, a lot of people are going to have Pryor. Pryor's ceiling, it's kind of tough to judge. I see it around like, it's he. I don't know if it's worth it to roster him just because everyone's on this idea that he's going to play quarterback, he's going to run, he's going to pass. Mm. He's going to do everything, but they're going to... There's only 4,300 yeah, on wa- DraftKings. Well, Washington, exactly. So people are going to flock to him in that sense. Washington is going to put Josh Norman on him. Washington's secondary is absolutely like demolished at this point. Uh, but he's the one guy that they'll probably stick on Pryor because Pryor's like the only guy who can do anything. 
Um, for me, a pivot on that play, just to go off prior and try to be like a contrarian, uh, I like Isaiah Crowell going against the Redskins defense um, If you're as a running back. I think that you can run on Washington. I think right now Crowell is like 4,400. 4, uh, and it's kind of a pivot off that Terrell Pryor ownership. That's why I'm not – this is kind of the reasons why I'm not paying up for Le'Veon Bell this week. Mm-hmm. So you also – you're looking at what other people you think they're going to do around the rest of the country. You made that very clear. Um, so I'm going to throw out Garoppolo. I just told you I, I think, think he's starting. I think it's a phenomenal play. That that was the I think as a low buy, if he's playing, that's like you got to figure. A lot of people already have their lineups and kind of targeting who they're. They're not going to make that switch. Fifty two hundred. I love him. If he's he, going to play, if, if I he mean, plays, he's the guy. I love yeah, him. he's going to play. I love him. I think it's a great play. Um, how about so so then you would maybe think about some Patriots wide receivers like Edelman. Edelman's like, not that expensive exactly. either. Exactly. So team stacks that I like. Um, the Patriots are very interesting because they're not going to be owned. Gronk played 14 snaps last week. A lot of DFS pros look at that and they say, eh, we're going to wait till he actually does something. Mm. It's crazy. The greatest tight end of all time. You would think that people are so analytical in how they build these lineups. Like they'll give them some time, which is a mistake. I think this week, I think you can stack Gronk, Edelman, Garoppolo, maybe throw James White in there, maybe Blount. It's just, if you're building a couple different lineups, like, it's pretty cool in that sense. Like, that's where you can go. Uh, that's something that I'll be doing a little bit of. Uh, Gronk, 6,500. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen. I, I would stay. I don't know what's happening. No, but you want to be able to predict that before yeah, it actually happens. You're right. You're then, then here's another one for you. Just talking about predicting. What about Willie Sneed? See, I like Willie Sneed better than Cooks. But I don't, I'm not trying to go with people in that game because everyone's going to have them. Mm. Yeah. So that's what you do. That's your main strategy. Like, it, this week or every week? You're picking no, against it, what it everybody just, else is it doing. It just depends. Like, there's reasons why. I have reasons for it. Like, I don't like Breeze on the road. I don't think he's the same quarterback that he is in the Superdome. All right. Best bang for your buck. This is the final one I have for you. Out of all the guys that are here that are available, you know, we're talking about mid to low buys. Best bang for your buck NFL week four. Who is it? Ah. Ooh. Caught me there. Um, I was going to go. By, that's where I was going to go with Cole Beasley. Okay. I just think the way they utilize him, Dak Prescott kind of looks to the place between the hashes, not saying he's Tom Brady, but that's where he focuses the majority of his attention. Cole Beasley's in the slot. Mm. I think that San Fran, they play fast. There's going to be a lot of opportunity, like I said earlier. Uh, Dez is out. I like both receivers in that game, whether it's Terrence Williams or Cole Beasley. Terrence Williams more in GPPs, Cole Beasley in cash, and I could see him in GPPs. And Cole Beasley, he is 3,900. Yeah. 3,900, and if you look at, I mean, one other thing that I always try to do is I try to look at, you know, the opposing team's pass defense in that situation. San Francisco, middle of the pack in the league. Uh, they've been allowing 255 yards in the, the air per game. The numbers are a little inflated, though, because they played the Rams the first week, and they just have no pass mm-hmm. attack. Yeah, they shut out the Rams. They shut out one. the Rams. And the Rams have been surprising me. Yeah. So, um that's what we got with week four. You got any other tidbits or notes that you want to let the people in on? Are you kind of saving those? See, you want you don't want to do what everybody else is doing, but yet you're going to do a daily fantasy sports segment every week telling people what to do, which just confuses the shit out of me. I know. That is a good point, actually. <laughs> that is a very good point. Uh, you know what I mean? I had a little fun. I had, definitely had a little fun doing it, so. 
I don't know. Yeah, we're going to do it every Friday. Just the way my mind thinks in terms of like kind of attacking this and trying to um, line up build, I guess. Now, outside of the million, have you had any other big win? You've had some other big winners. I some played, other big wins. I played pretty well. Uh, last two weeks ago, I was in first place for the World Championships. Uh, I was winning 60,000. I had this crazy swing. I had Denver's defense. They scored like two touchdowns in the final minute. And, like, I skyrocketed to the top of the list for whatever reason. They were only at, like, a 4% owned in terms of, like, the clip. And uh, I was in first place. We went up to the beer garden. We thought we were going to win. Uh, All right. They didn't give me any money, so stop throwing out names of local establishments. <laughs> All right. No, no, no. I okay. got you. Yeah. I know you're sitting there. You want to give plugs, but not no, no, doing no. someone else's show, okay? <laughs> yeah. So Jesus. I went, I, went, I went up there. And this kid comes in, right? He wants to sit in my seat. He wants to sit in the producer's seat. He's throwing out the beer garden, like, you know, come on. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was watching the, it was the Vikings versus the Packers, and I was like, Kyle Rudolph can't catch me. Kyle Rudolph can't catch me. I was like, second half, I'm like, I'm going to win. You know, here we go again. I'm going to the World Championships, and then Stephon Diggs. <laughs> I'm going to the World Championships. Where do they, where's that at? Where's in, the World Championships? In New York. Oh, you New actually York. do go. Yeah, you go. You win the ticket, you go. No kidding. That's what and I'm, what happens? That's like, my goal for the does year. Does everybody sit around and watch you and like, oh, there's Rob Gomes in the world championship. I should do play-by-play -play for that. Oh, look at Gomes. Look at the look in his face. Oh, he opens another Bud Light. <laughs> oh, doesn't like that one. Looking at his phone, checking his emails. Up, <laughs> oh, someone from his family's calling. No, yeah. It's, I oh, don't... no, he's hung the phone up. There's a big play. Breeze to Willie Sneed. Oh, he doesn't like it. Oh, he fumbled! No, yeah, that's basically what. That's you what do. goes on. That's, that's what, what goes on. And people just watch you react. Yeah, it's pretty. It's uh, it's actually pretty nuts. Uh, real gets your adrenaline pumping. You play in those big tournaments. Uh, do you and your brother go back and because your brother was part of you winning the million? I can't not mention him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he yeah. was a major part yeah. of that as well. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, we go back and forth all week. Uh, this is what we do at this point. Dave's good. He knows his shit. So. Well, do you? I mean, are you kind of? Do you piggyback off him, or does he piggyback off you? Well, like, how does this work? You his... guys have a rivalry brewing? How does that work? If we do have a little... I didn't think there was a world championships rivalry, up there, so there must be some type of rivalry. We do have a little rivalry. Uh, that lineup that we built, it was a little bit of both of us, and we both like to take kind of credit for who won it and stuff like that, so I guess that would be what the rivalry is. We've been going at this since we were little kids. It's funny it all culminated into winning DFS's biggest uh, trophy, I would say. Where's the trophy? Uh, it's in my house. Hey, what about that huge check that they give you? What'd that's, you do with that? That's the trophy. That's the trophy? That's the trophy. Is it on the, the wall? Trophy. Is it like behind the couch? Like, what do you do with that? Uh, it's on the wall. It's on the wall. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. What's it made out of? Cardboard? Cardboard. Nice, nice. happy Gilmore check. Nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So it, it's good to know that you still have that check. Yeah. You ever bring that check up to like the beer garden and try to just cash that thing in for a couple <laughs> rounds? That's what you should do. Couple, you know? Couple oh, there he, where's he going? Like, like, take the check like you have the cup. Yeah. You know, your family member gets it for a week. Yeah, right. exactly. Eat breakfast that's with the what, check. That's, that's what the check is like. You it's take like the, the check on Castle Island. Oh, he's eating celery's on a rock. Oh, there's the check. Look at the check. That's what it's like. Oh, my like. God. Gomes, look at the, one of the, someone in the Gomes family. He's eating a Sully snap dog. Oh, there's the check. To bring that thing around. Yeah. No, Showcase I'm, it. In the North End. I know you're running around the North End with that thing We anyways. had a little fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Couple, couple late nights of the check. 
All right. He is Rob Gomes. Where can people find you on Twitter? Toss it out yeah, there. Yeah, follow me on Twitter, uh, Bobby Gomes DFS. I'll be on all weekend. All right. He'll shoot just, me, just for the some, weekend. Don't get him questions. during the week. He's not going to be there during the week. Uh, all weekend he'll be there. Whenever you want. Whenever you want. All right. We'll do this segment every Friday. Um, again, a conversation with my daily fantasy sports expert, Rob Gomes, brought to you by CrossFit 617. Train hard, live healthy, feel better. Sign up today for a free one-week trial at CrossFit617.com. Rob, great stuff. Thanks for joining me. We'll talk to you next week, all right? Appreciate it. All right, so uh, uh, there it is right there. Every Friday we'll do that, and every Friday I'll also give you my picks, five games with the spread in the National Football League. I'm going to close out the show with my picks. Stick around for that. But right now, uh, I want to play my conversation that I had this week in studio with the one and only Slain. We talked about his new EP. It's called Slain is Dead. I I was calling it an album at first. I mean, I don't know if, Pete, I don't know when it comes to albums, EPs, like I don't know the, the difference there. So I'm not really like this big music guy when it comes to albums and EPs, but apparently it's an EP. But I, I listen to it. I think it's something that you absolutely should go get, whether it's CD that I have in front of me, whether it's going to get it on iTunes. It's called Slain is Dead. Slain's always a great guest in studio. We didn't just talk about his career. We talked a little bit about Ben Affleck being Batman, too, which I thought was interesting. And some other interesting things that are going on in Slain's career. But we got into some Boston sports stuff. He's a huge Red Sox, Patriots, Bruins, Celtics fan. We got into all of it. So here's that conversation. Stick around afterwards because I will close out the show with Picks Picks. Enjoy. All right. Joining me in studio right now here at Beantown Athletics is the one and only Slain. You what's can get going on, man? what's up. You can get his new EP. I was gonna call it an album, but it's an EP. It's an EP. Uh, it's called "Slain Is Dead." It's available right now on iTunes, and I have the actual CD in front of me. Though I'm not gonna people, lie to you, people still listen to those. I'm not you gonna know? lie to you. I don't know if I have a CD player. You don't have one in the car. I don't have a car. I use my mother's, <laughs> and it's this little Toyota Camry or whatever it is. And I don't even know. I think you have to have a maybe it has uh, a tape a cassette. Deck. Yeah, you have a tape. I thought you'd bring a we tape. You can get in one of those me. tape decks that has the cord, the plug in, and listen to the CD. <laughs> yeah, listen to the portable. CD Or you could just keep it as a souvenir and download it on iTunes. I'll get it on iTunes for sure. But uh, it's called "Slain Is Dead." It is available right now. Make sure you check it out. Slain. What's happening? Chilling, man. Just back in Boston for a little bit. About to fly out tomorrow to start tour. In Canada, we start off on Vancouver Island and make our way east. We end in Quebec City. Montreal, then Quebec City. I always love performing in Montreal. Mm-hmm. It's a great place. But uh, yeah. Where in Montreal will you be performing? I think the place that we're performing is called the Belmont. So, or... Uh, Lee Belmont. Lee Belmont. <laughs> um, so tell me about this EP, Slain is Dead. The first thing I think of when I see it is Slain is not dead. He is alive and well, <laughs> and he's sitting right here in front of me, and you're going on tour. You got all this stuff going on. Your schedule is just packed here moving forward. Why the name Slain is Dead to this EP? Well, basically, um, you know, I ha- I was with the hard drugs and the booze for a long time, man, and... You know, I had gotten to the point where I was drinking two-fifths a day, you know, whiskey and vodka. I would drink. I would, it started, I would go on tour, and, and, and the rider, I would get two-fifths, and I would drink one before stage and one after. And when I came home, I would continue to drink like that, and, and I tried to get sober over and over and over again, and I never could. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I, I, I couldn't write. 
So like I would get in the studio, I would try to be staying sober and I would relapse time and time again because I couldn't write. So I had to be willing to give up the music and uh, in order to get sober. And, you know, as I started, to, as I got some sobriety under my belt, I started trying to write and go in the studio. I had to change my whole process and um, I just had a hard time with it, man. I struggled and and I thought like, you know, my music career might be over and, you know, I was on the street, people are coming up to me, oh, you done with music? You just acting now? And, and in my head, to my, like, people were like, what's going on with Slain? And, mm. and in my head, I was like, Slain is dead, you know? And uh, But that start, I started to get a little fire under my ass based on that. And, um, you know, just a day at a time in the studio, recording, writing. And when I looked up, I had four projects ready to go. This is the first of them. And, um, you know, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a victory. You know, it's like, I suffered at the hands of this of, of booze and drugs for a long time and you know I came out the other side and, and saw that it was really a delusion that I couldn't write and record and that that stuff was in me all the time I just had to you know kind of battle through it and um, you know it feels good to put something out man it's two years in the music industry is a long time and this is you know this is an EP and you got more coming out yeah tell us yeah. about what is next for, for so Slain we're going on EP. we're going on tour this weekend with Lakoka Nostra we have a new Lakoka album coming out on November 4th called to thine own self be true and then I have a couple projects coming out next year so uh, Slain is dead is already out Lakoka comes out November 4th and the other records are about 90% done and those will come out so I got four coming out over the course of the year uh, are you concerned about people coming up to you going Slain why aren't you acting anymore why why can't I see <laughs> why are you doing all this music yeah are you acting anymore well where, I, where I, is just, that? I just started a new movie this week too so and uh, I got a movie coming out called let me make you a martyr it's an indie flick that I did with Marilyn Manson and, Marilyn Manson and Mark Boone Jr. Yeah, it's a crazy movie. The, Speaking of Montreal, how the fuck did you hook up and connect with Marilyn Manson? Well, it wasn't that I connected with him directly. The director reached out to me and and um and asked me to do this movie. And Marilyn Manson is also in it. There's a couple of the other guys from Sons of Anarchy. And speaking of Montreal, it premiered in Montreal at a film for the Fantasia Film Festival up there about a month and a half ago. It's a crazy movie, man. It's a crazy film. So. I'll uh, I'll be posting like the information when it comes out and all that if people follow me on social media. Um, I mean I can't just be done asking about Marilyn Manson. What what is this character like in in real life? You know what, man? Like I had separate scenes from him, so I didn't I didn't I didn't uh, okay. I didn't work directly with him in, in right. any scenes. But a friend of mine is his tour manager, and he texted me. Marilyn Manson texted me from tour to tell me that I was great in the movie and because he saw me in Central Intelligence or whatever uh -huh. too and, and he was like, oh, I didn't know he's in this and he texted me. So that was kind of a surreal moment getting a text from, from Marilyn Manson. That's, that's a moment that you probably never thought you would have, right? Yeah, no, definitely <laughs> not. Like I, not to say that, that, you know, big names don't text you or anything, but Marilyn Manson being one, yeah, I mean, man. I can't even imagine what that would be like having that text come on my phone. He's a crazy personality. Um, He's he's fantastic in the movie. He's fantastic in the, he plays a hitman in the movie and and he's like he gives a haunting performance. So this is a good flick, man. Um now the last time I had you I've had you on the show a couple times and I think the first time I had you on I asked you questions about Ben Affleck and I asked you questions about the town. I mean, do, do you still get that is that the one thing you get the most right now? Yeah, well, you know, I I've had a cool career, man, and you know, it's 
I, I do underground independent music, got mm-hmm. a cult following, and I've been in, this will be my 10th movie that I started this week, and, uh, but the town is, you know, you never know when something is really going to penetrate pop culture, and the town is one of those. Yeah. You know, the town, I think, did $150 million in the theater, which for a rated R movie is huge. It's It was on TNT the other night. It came out six years ago, you know, mm-hmm. so... It has staying power. People love that movie, and that's great. And I get, you know, I'll be in, on tour in Russia and get recognized from the town. So, uh, the town has been seen worldwide by mil- tens of millions of people. You still so. talk to Ben Affleck? Yeah, yeah. Well, see, I, I love him as Batman. Did you? I was going to yeah. ask you about that because I never envisioned him being being Batman. I love the way they portrayed it, man. Like he's like the grizzled old Bruce Wayne with the salt and pepper hair, and I think. Uh, the one that he directs, the solo Batman movie, the, the next one, I think that's going to be amazing. I'm looking forward to see what he does. Did you that. see Suicide Squad? I did not. Okay. I did not. Uh, this isn't even, I don't even know that I should say um, I'm about to spoil anything or spoil alert because I didn't actually see Batman vs. Superman with Ben Affleck. I mean, I saw the common attractions. I never got around to seeing it, but I saw Suicide Squad. And the weird thing about Suicide Squad is, and maybe this is a little spoiler, but I feel like if you're going to see the movie, you probably should be told this, because at the end of Suicide Squad, everybody in the theater was sticking around. And I'm, I'm looking, and me and my girlfriend are sitting there going, all right, should we get up and go? And then we look at each other and say, well, no one else is leaving. Something else must be happening. The credits are rolling. Music's playing. So we waited around after. And there was another scene after the credits. So if you're going to see Suicide Squad, don't leave when the credits come up and you think the movie's over. There is more to the movie. And at the end, there's a scene with Ben Affleck. And um, I guess, apparently, he killed Superman. Did he kill Superman in the Batman vs. Superman? I don't know. I don't even... I, I tried to figure it out why I couldn't even understand the You know what it is, though, man? With all those comic book movies, they always leave these little, like, nuggets for all the, the comic book For fans. the next one. The, I mean, those... I, I'm not a comic book guy. I never was. I, I collected either. baseball cards when I was a kid, not comic mm-hmm. books, and um, and played sports. And I think that's for people that didn't do that. You know, I think, like, people that don't play sports, like, co- uh, collect comic books. I never did. So I don't get angry when I watch these comic book movies and go, oh, that's not the way it is in the comic book. Mm-hmm. You see people do this, though, and they all wait till the end of the credits, and and it will be some superfluous shit that I didn't even know what it means and oh did you see that like at the end and i i don't get it i mean a lot of the comic book stuff goes over my head batman is the one that i do like i don't really fly with all the other ones i'd rather see a good crime drama than a than a a superhero movie i feel like we got too many i like superhero movies once in a while but not like a steady diet of them all year long like it's just, you know. Yeah, I wasn't arguing that. I mean, I wasn't even watching it going, oh, this doesn't make sense because this didn't happen. I was saying this doesn't make sense because this just doesn't make sense. And maybe I had to see Batman vs. Superman to understand it. But Ben Affleck was at the end of Suicide Squad, and I have no idea why. Perhaps, like you said, it is a little nugget to lead to his next movie, which I didn't even know he was going to have another Batman movie. But, but apparently he is. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, he's, uh, he's directing the next one. I expect it to be amazing. All right, well, looking forward to that, and uh, looking forward to listening to this EP, Slain is Dead, which, again, is available right now on iTunes. Um, I, this might be a, a corny question. This might be a little too deep, but when I sit in this seat every single day or, or whenever I get here in this studio, 
you know, I, I, I know that I have a bigger picture in mind. Like I know where I want to take this show. I know where I want to take my product. I know where I want to be in five, 10 years. Doesn't always work out uh, the way you portray the, the schedule and the timeline in your own head. But you do have to portray that schedule and timeline in your own head to get where you want to go. And as you do all this stuff, music, acting, you're going on tour, your schedule is just action-packed. I guess, where, where do you see yourself? Like, where does Slane see himself in 5, 10 years? Like, where do you want to take this ultimately? What is the ultimate goal right now? Well, you know, I've always looked at things like that, too. And especially when I was coming up with the music stuff, like, I wanted to get a record in the stores. I wanted to go on tour. I wanted to, you know, have a body of work. And I have that now. So, you know, I've done that over the years. I... You know, it started with the group with that OG and, and Jay Song called Special Teams and then and then with La Coca Nostra where I got down with the guys from House of Pain and Ill Bill. And I toured around the world off that. I've been to 40 countries performing. And I, I think this might be like my 13th release. So, you know, I've... At this stage of the game with the music, mm -hmm. it's a very personal thing. Like, it's like I have lived my dream through that. I have been around the world. I, I've... I've you know, I've accomplished a lot of a lot of stuff with the music. And as a byproduct of that, I got into the movies. And that was never in a five-year plan or anything yeah. like that. That just was sort of happened. That was kind of the universe just putting me on a separate path with that. So, you know, I have a lot more fun doing movies because it's less personal. The music has always been a coping mechanism. Like, as I was telling you how this mm -hmm. EP came about, it's sure. kind of like I've always battled with my personal stuff through the music. I've always been able to look at my life through the music. And especially now, like, a lot of people fight with the same demons that I did, and I feel like this is, you know, and I rapped about addiction and, and alcoholism, like, my entire career, mm -hmm. but while I was in it. And now it's, like, coming through the other side. So I feel like I owe that to the universe, to, to the world, whatever, just to give my little story. As far as, like, the long term, what I want to do with, with, with acting, you know, I would love to get a TV show. That's, like, the steady yeah. the steady income, man. That's, but uh, I really think, like, the goal of mine has always been artistic freedom. Like, I want to be able to do what I want to do artistically. I have that with music. I don't have that fully with, with film and acting yet, and I'm working towards that. So I think... I want to be able to do with film what I do with music. Like I want have a pro have a vision in mind for a project and then execute it. Mm -hmm. Now it takes a lot more money to do that in film, and you need to you know you need to get your name to a certain place in order to be able to push buttons in that way. So I think like my next goal is to have the artistic freedom like I do in music with film. All right. Well, I'd love to hear it, and obviously looking forward to seeing you more on the big screen, uh, listening to you more as more of these albums come out, and, and seeing you on tour, but while you have all that other stuff going, I mean, you sit here in this studio, this is a sports talk show most of the time, you're wearing a Red Sox hat, I'm wearing a Red Sox hat, and um, we were, we're recording this on Thursday, this show is going to be available on Friday, so we'll say it last night, Wednesday night, the Red Sox clinched the AL East. But what is the most important story to you? The Red Sox winning the division or the Patriots without Tom Brady being 3-0? and Or is there something else right now going I mean, on in the world of sports I think that you're more jacked up over? That's it. That's what I'm focused on completely is the Patriots and the Red Sox. I texted you before we did the show and yeah. said how excited I am about the Red Sox team. 
And what that did I being say said, to you? What did I say to you? You said you were gonna you were worried about Price blowing up in the playoffs. Yeah. Which he then blew up the next <laughs> night. Yeah. And uh I mean, I don't know how anybody could be happy with what happened last night. You know, we won eleven straight. Red Sox have a tremendous team with a lot of young players. This is the best team we've had since 04, I think, even though there were two world championships yep. in between then. I think this is the most well-rounded team. We got speed. We got defense. We got hitting. We got pitching. But last night was I, – I can't lie to you. I felt – uncomfortable watching it was them celebrate awkward. it was awkward they're dumping champagne on the, on their heads and jumping around and they just lost on a, they blew a three nothing lead in the ninth inning and, and prior to that they it was it was a pitcher's duel they they come back they get the big hit from pedroia they score three runs in the eighth inning and then they choke with they let up five runs in the bottom of the ninth well look i was trying to shake throughout that last inning I, I, when we found out that Toronto lost and we clinched the division and the Red Sox clinched the division, I was trying to shake off the, the worst-case scenario. In my head, worst-case scenario was Toronto wins. Red Sox blow this game. You got Henry Owens on Thursday night pitching, okay, which is no guaranteed win. In fact, I would probably put my money on him getting lit up. And then you play Toronto for three straight at Fenway, which means that Toronto has a chance to win three straight and then win the division and send you to the one-game wildcard playoff. Who knows? They could find themselves in a one-game playoff to get to the one-game wildcard playoff at that point. And I'm just thinking worst-case scenario. And I, I guess it took me a little bit to shake off that idea of what the worst-case scenario could be. So then when I hear that Toronto wins the division, excuse me, Toronto loses the game and the Red Sox win the division, I'm going, all right, what does the result of this one really mean? Not much. But at the same time, you got to go out there and close it out. Now, here's where I will give Craig Kimbrell, uh, I-, I guess, a little bit of leeway here. Because if I'm him, and I don't give a fuck what they say, he he found out, he knew, he looked up at the scoreboard, he saw people high-fiving somewhere, cheering, celebrating. He knew that they won the division while he's on that mound. Okay, he knew it. And if you know that, the mindset changes. I think it's a, sort of a sigh of relief. I think it's, um, you know, you start to get, I guess, content with where you are. Hey, we won the division. What does this really mean right now in the moment? It probably doesn't mean much because all you can think about is that clubhouse has the wrap and paper on the walls, the plastic wrap all over the lockers, and you're about to celebrate and have a party because that's a that's a big accomplishment. That to win the division in Major League Baseball, you play a 162 game season. You got to be doing something right to be celebrating with that division champion T-shirt on. It's a long season. It's a grind of a season. There's ups downs in this town. It's even more of a grind because we're crushing you when you blow it. We're crushing you when you have a bad night. It's an emotional year, and when you finally get, um a division championship under your belt. I just think all the emotions lead towards that. And I, I that's where I'll give Craig Kimbrell a little bit of leeway here. Now, he did blow it. Then Joe Kelly came in and blew it. And it made for an awkward celebration. There's no question. And, and, and I was somewhat frustrated for a few minutes. But at the same time, I come back to, you got to celebrate. You have to celebrate that championship. I don't care what just happened. It's a long season. You got to be happy that you won the division. Turn the page. Everyone's going to be hung over on Thursday night. But then you you play Toronto for three games and you do the best you can to try to get the best division in the American League in those three games. But you have as awkward as it was. You agree. You have to celebrate that championship in that moment. 
right? I guess because it's a season long. What they're celebrating is the season, and they've had a great season. It just I I can't picture myself celebrating in that situation. You just you just blew it. You just it's the only time it's ever happened. By the way, I saw it. it's the only time ever somebody's lost on a walk off Grand Slam and clinched Clinch the, the division, division in the at the same night. time. Yeah. Literally, like within a half hour. Span, I just don't know it. how you celebrate. I, 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 you know, I get why they're celebrating. It's a season-long accomplishment, but how do you go from one extreme to the other? Because it, I do think that you have a letdown there as someone on the mound that 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 realizes you just clinched the division. I. Think. But they didn't find out they clinched though until Kelly was on the mound though, right? Because they announced it right as, right before Kelly let up the uh, the Grand Slam. I think it was a little before then. I think that I think it trickled in on the scoreboard a little before then. I think people started to figure it out before then. I I thought they I'm pretty sure they figured out before they made the move to Kelly. At least I think I knew it. I guess the question is how confident are you in this uh, in this bullpen? I'm see here's my going problem. into the playoffs. Here's my problem with the bullpen. Koji Uehara when he since he's come back, he finds a way to get the job done, but. He does not have the same stuff that he had in 2013. My concern with him is that he's throwing up 86-mile-per-hour fastballs to Josh Donaldson and the boys in a series against Toronto in the eighth inning, and they're making him pay. And if there's one team, you know, everyone does this thing, like, who do you not want to see in the playoffs? It's to- I don't want to see Toronto. Oh, I don't want to see the Blue Jays. No don't want to see them. Uh, they're going to mash. I think if there's any team that's there that's going to find a way – to, to make the Red Sox bullpen and bring them back down to earth? Because the Red Sox bullpen's been great in the month of September, you know, outside of last night. But again, I'm willing to to give them a free pass on that one based on the emotions that I think they had at the time. Uh, and I'm I'm just perfectly fine with them celebrating as awkward as it might have been at first. You know, you get a couple, you know, you get a couple drinks in that clubhouse. They, they forget <laughs> about that moment. They're going to celebrate, and they should. But this bullpen, how do I feel about them? As good as they've been in September... I just, there are certain guys out there that, and Kimbrell's not someone I question. Like, I still think his stuff is so filthy. I'll put him on the mound in a big spot anytime. I will. And you know what? If he wa- if somebody gets to him, I'm going to tip my cap to the other team. That's how good his stuff is. But someone like Koji, who does not have the same stuff he had in 2013, that splitter is not the same pitch that it once was. That fastball is an absolute meatball if he's not confusing someone with it. And if there's any team in the American League that's going to make someone like that pay in a big spot in the eighth inning, it's Toronto. So I think the question is, forget about do you believe in the bullpen. Who's the team you don't want to face? To me, the Blue Jays are the one team you do not want to face. Absolutely. I mean, the Blue Jays can mash, man. They got got a lineup. Much like ours, too. We have a lineup. Yeah. We got got three guys with 30 home runs, 100 RBIs. We got, you know, two other guys right behind that with 25. Toronto can pitch, too, though. They can pitch. And that's just one team I don't want to face. Now, you have to look at the Red Sox rotation. And when you texted me, I texted you back about David Price. And what happened after that, he completely collapsed and on the mound. And he's 0-7 career and, in the playoffs. Man, in a game that, that was basically a division clincher if they won it on Tuesday night. And he just collapsed. Now, he's been going through a tough time. Uh, one of his close friends passed away. And, you know, he has his initials on his hat. And, and that's a tough time for the guy. I can understand that. What he said after that game, though, is extremely concerning to me. And I don't usually put too much stock in post-game quotes or things that are said, especially when guys are so emotionally involved and it's right after a loss, it's right after a game in which you didn't come through. All right, you know what? 
Go sleep on it. You said something stupid. Sleep on it. We'll come back. Forgive you. Go out and pitch. David Price said something after that game that concerns me greatly. He said that he's not going to be great every single night. That's what he said. And I tweeted it out saying, did I read this quote right from David Price? And there was some people coming to me and go, oh, it's perfectly fine. Like, he's, he's just telling the truth. He's not going to be great every single night. And, and I said, well, wait a minute. You can say that in April. You can say that in May because it's a long season. The playoffs begin next week. You're a top of the guy rotation. You're not going to start game one, I don't think. He's probably going to start game two. That's the way they're setting this thing up for. I don't want to hear a week before the playoffs that you're not going to be great every night when you're making $30 million a season and you're trying to cleanse yourself of these postseason demons that you just mentioned the numbers. And when they signed David Price, I said... I think last year with Toronto, the numbers don't tell the whole story as to how good Price actually was in the playoffs last year. He was good. He just didn't get the results. There were things that were going on. Uh, the manager, you know, saw the wheels falling off in, in one of the games in the ALCS, and he kept them out there too long. Uh, the next game against the Royals, he let up two solo home runs in the first and second inning, and then he was just downright dominant the rest of the game through seven. I don't think the numbers told the whole story for Price last year, but there's no question ultimately, David Price, as a starting pitcher, has not had playoff success. So, knowing that, and knowing that this team gave you $30 million a season to, to you know, rid yourself of those postseason demons, don't be telling me a week before the playoffs that you're not going to be great every night. That is the last thing I want to hear, and that is not the attitude that you should want or that I want to see from someone that we're asking to really be our race, even though right now well, Rick Porcello is. It's a very realistic way to look at that. I think he also said, who cares, right? So He said, like, oh, I wasn't good tonight, so what? Or the, at least the phrase was, so what? I understand uh, over the course of 162 games, that's the attitude you have to have. It's like a cornerback that gets burned. You can't be dwelling on the last play yeah. the next time you go out. But that being said, I think it's pretty clear that he doesn't have the same kind of mentality as a Pedro Martinez, for instance, or a Kurt Schilling. Oh, no way. And Rod- or Roger Clemens, who even though he had some uh, he had some suspect results in the playoffs at different points, he was a gamer, and he had that intensity, and he came out and believed he was going to give a supreme performance mm-hmm. every time he was on the mound. I think we're missing that with this guy. I think he's missing that from his, from his, his attitude. Yeah, I and I mean, guys like Pedro, guys like Schilling, guys like Clemens. I'd love to have... I, li- Sch- I, I, I like Porcello more as, a, as an ace going into, the, into these playoffs. I think Porcello has shown that, that feistiness, that yeah. attitude, the consistency uh-huh. over the course of the season where he might not be completely dominant, but he's letting up one or two runs a game. You know what you're going to get, and, and you know I, he's more reliable. He just looks more confident to me, and that's Absolutely. the biggest difference with Porcello this year. Like, I watched Porcello pitch last year, and, and especially in the first half of the season, it was like, you know, he just wasn't confident at all. And it's, it's, you're looking up at the sky. You, you just have this look on your face like, I don't have it tonight. I'm never going to get this guy out. This year, he's pitching with conviction. He knows he's getting swings and misses. And he's a guy that isn't a power pitcher that really shouldn't be getting swings and misses. He's painting with that two-seamer at times. Uh, you know, I, I think more often than not, he's... He's keeping it down in the zone and, and, you know, in big moments, which I think is really helping him out. But Porcello, overall, the, the thing that impresses me most about him this year and the reason why I think he's had this turnaround is because he's the most confident guy 
in that rotation. Absolutely. And Price just doesn't seem to have that. I mean, I would. You mentioned Schilling. Schilling's out. He's doing his media rounds. He's got his new show now. I would love to. I've been trying to get Schilling in studio here on this show because that that would be one of the first questions I have when it comes to the Red Sox. I'm sure he'd want to talk about you know Trump versus Hillary or something. But uh, <laughs> I'd have to get into some baseball too. I, you know, I'd like to ask him about Price's mentality and and what a pitcher like that with his mentality sees from someone like Price. And I don't know if he would rip him, uh, but based on things that you pointed out that I also recognize. I think for someone like Schilling, it would be tough for him not to rip David Price, seeing what we're seeing and hearing what we're hearing. I mean, that that soundbite after well, I, that game I, the other night was disturbing go, as we get set to go into the playoffs next week. I think Kurt Schilling can be annoying as a personality sometimes, but as a pitcher and a player, I respect him so much because I think Schilling would go into one of those games thinking, I might not be great tomorrow, yeah, and I might not have been great before, but tonight I'm going to be great. And, mm-hmm. and no matter what's going on when he had the – Famous bloody sock, bloody the ankle sock. sock. I mean, he went out there and got it done when he yeah. had to get it done. And he and you know maybe it's an overconfidence, whatever it is, but it works when he's on the mound, man. All right, so the Red Sox clinched the AL East. They're obviously going to the playoffs with that. We'll just have to figure out their first round matchup uh, this weekend. But the other story is the Patriots, three and all without Tom Brady. Did you uh, did you look at the schedule? And see, when you found out, when we all found out that Brady was going to be suspended and, and stop the fight, stop the Deflategate fight, and accept the four-game suspension, you look at the schedule, you see in Arizona, and then three at home against Miami, Houston, and Buffalo. Did you look at that and two say— and Two and two. And two and two. Me too. I thought two and two. I thought Belichick would be crafty enough to get two wins out yep. of it. And, you know, I figured he would change the style of play and we would get two wins. I didn't think we were going to beat Arizona on the road. Me neither. And— uh Man, it's been it's it's been amazing. I think the last time we were in here, we just talked about how Belichick just adapts to everything and how great he is. We had a conversation like that, and this just reinforces that. Reinforces that. I can't believe that three and oh. I, who's starting on Sunday? I, I don't it's know. It's either Garoppolo or Brissett. Though I saw a video of Garoppolo at practice this week throwing the football. I just I find it hard to believe he's not going to play based on how I saw him throwing. I do. Good. I find it hard to believe. He looked good? Yeah, he's throwing the ball downfield with full pads. It, lo- it looked good. It looked too good where I think – now, I don't think the Patriots are going to tell us to maybe not till the last minute. They, we might not know until Sunday, whatever time they have to release the, the inactives and, and the active players. We might not know till then, until warm-ups that day. But when I see that video of Garoppolo throwing, I'm thinking to myself – there's no way he's not going to play in this game. But I think they'll tease it. I think that's a luxury Belichick now has against Rex Ryan and the Bills. It's like, hey, we got these quarterbacks. They might even leak video of Edelman under center at practice. Who knows? They, they might have Edelman today at practice out throwing the football. I mean, they might, just to get in Rex Ryan's head, just to get into the Bills' I head. Think, I think it's pretty clear. They're going to go 4-0. I don't, I don't see them losing this game. I think Belichick just has... He's he's too much of a genius. The, the the third game is the one that really impressed me because Garoppolo came in. He made some great passes. I think they put him in position to make the right passes. Brissett. No, oh, oh. when Brissett came in in game three, I was the first two games are different. I really think Garoppolo played. You know, he was excellent. Yeah. Especially in that, fir- even though he came out in the second quarter, that first quarter he was brilliant against Miami. In game two, yeah. yeah. In the third game, they completely changed their style of football. Mm-hmm. They, they were playing Giants football from 25 years ago. <laughs> they were it was running and defense, and they beat they they won 27 to nothing against a pretty good team. Yeah, 
with a third-string quarterback completely changed their style of play. It, that was impressive, man. That was impressive. We've had, because of all this quarterback stuff, the conversation has gone, it's become insane in this town. And I've tried to be the voice of reason. Throughout training camp when people said that there was a, a rift between Brady and Garoppolo and Belichick and Brady didn't agree and, and Brady was looking over his shoulder thinking Garoppolo was going to steal his job. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, that's the dumbest, the dumbest reaction to have because Tom Brady knows he's returning in week five. And he needs Garoppolo to be good. He needs Garoppolo to help this team win because that just makes the Patriots' chances better of winning the division and getting a first-round bye while Brady's on the center. Brady need the way I looked at it was, Brady needed Garoppolo to be great. He needed whoever was going to be at quarterback when he was gone to be great. Some didn't want to look at it that way. Then when Garoppolo had that first half in Miami, excuse me, at home against Miami before he got injured with the shoulder, I was on Twitter, and I know... It's, you shouldn't do it during a game. It's just, I don't know why I do it. I do it sometimes. People, but actual like reporters, journalists, media members, full-time jobs, personalities on, on TV, people who have one job to analyze the NFL, were actually coming out saying that the Patriots should trade Tom Brady because clearly Garoppolo is the future. That's insane. It's, it, it's, it's insane. insane. Based on what? All right, four good quarters against Arizona and then a quarter and a half against Miami? Like, you're going to forget, people in this town are going to forget about what Tom Brady has done and for what he still could years, do? For 15 years. For, for five and, and a half quarters of Garoppolo? And he's still, he's still at his peak, man. I mean, last season, he was one, of, it was one of his best seasons. It's ridiculous. And another thing people don't take into account is, yeah, Garoppolo played great for one and a half games. Mm -hmm. People in the NFL study film. They'll come up with a plan to stop him. You, you know, he also has... Uh, you know, a, a big incentive to come out and play his best. It's a different ball game to to do that every week, week after week, to beat the schemes that they come up to stop you when you, you're playing towards your strengths, and to s sustain greatness over a long period of time, which Brady clearly has done. He's the best ever to do it. And, um, the, you know, it's a win-win for the Patriots because we can either keep Garoppolo for a couple years – or we can trade him and get a get a number one pick, which, by the way, would be awesome to stick it right in Goodell's ass like that. Oh, would love it. To it would, get a first-round pick back. Oh, it would be amazing. And um, yeah, I even heard when Garoppolo went down, there were some other people who analyzed the league who came up with this insane idea that the Patriots should reach out to Peyton Manning and try to bring Peyton Manning in to quarterback the Patriots for two weeks. That's the dumbest idea that I've ever heard in my life, but yet you have actual real human beings who will get paid to cover the NFL coming up with that idea. That's more insanity that we've had the last couple of weeks. Well, luckily we got Belichick making the decisions. Yeah, luckily that. we got Belichick, and, and luckily they didn't take the idea of Peyton Manning or Tim Tebow, who, by the way, I don't know if you saw this. Tim Tebow, he's playing baseball now, right? I mean, I'm just to the point with Tebow. Just go the fuck away. Just get away. Just go away, please. Instructional League, first game with the New York Mets. First pitch that he saw, home run. Get out. First pitch, home run. I didn't even see that yet. <laughs> yeah, really? yeah, yesterday. First pitch on uh, Wednesday. First pitch, home run. High fastball looked like up and outside. He's a lefty. Gets the barrel of the bat on it. Takes a hard swing. It goes out. Wow. Yeah, and he's just running the bases like a complete Munson. <laughs> just a donkey. Tim Tebow is such I can't a, stand him neither, man. And but. you know what? I used to defend the guy. Like, people would knock him and be like, he can't play in the NFL. And I would sit there and go, you know what? I'm about, I, 
I'm not saying that he's going to be the best quarterback in the league, even close to that. But to say the guy shouldn't have a, a chance to play in the league, he won a playoff game with Denver. They went into Pittsburgh and won, and he threw for over 300 yards. And the game-winning pass in overtime was like, I, don't, I want to say it was like a 60-yard pass to Demarius Thomas. Sure, there were more yards after the catch than the actual you know pass was. But you still put up that type of game. Then, remember, they lost to the Patriots? Yeah. Denver came to Gillette and lost to the Patriots. Like, when you do that, you should at least get a shot as a starting quarterback somewhere afterwards, shouldn't you? He didn't, and people knocked him and said, oh, he can't throw. I actually defended him because of that playoff game and because of the way he came into that season and brought them to the playoffs. But now it's like, all right, he's playing baseball. Like you, were, and he, he hasn't played baseball in 10 years, No, it's right? like you were good as an analyst. Like, stick to that. Now you're playing baseball. Now he's hitting a home run in his first pitch. You know what's going to happen. He's going to get called up for jersey sales alone. Ticket sales, jersey sales. They're going to do it. And with the, the, Tim Tebow is never, we're never going to get rid of Tim Tebow. That's my <laughs> biggest fear. As much as I thought the flake would never end, it actually is going to end. We're never going to be able to get rid of Tim Tebow. That is now my new greatest fear. Uh, it would be a great story, though, if he is a good baseball player. He won't. You see him? I know, the, and I know that sounds crazy based on he hit a home run. For I have a feeling they paid the guy to groove him one. Groove him a fastball. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm watching him out there run the bases. He's an athletic kid, but he just doesn't, he doesn't look the pot baseball-wise. And, and maybe I'll be wrong, but uh, I don't even, I, I don't know. I don't hope I'm wrong. I hope he fails. I want him to just go away. I don't want to do the Tim Tebow stuff anymore. Well, how about this question? It's moving from Tebow, if you don't mind. What do we do with Garoppolo now when Brady comes back? Do we keep – we have him on the contract next year. Brady is 39. I expect Brady to give a great season this oh, – to have a great season this year. But do gone. we hold on to Garoppolo or do we trade him and get that draft pick? Um, I think you hold on to him this season, no question. And, I mean, it's not even up for debate. Like, I think you hold on to him this season. I think you – well, you see what you can get. You see what you can get. I mean, I think you. Here's what they're gonna do. They're gonna look at the Sam Bradford trade and say that's now the you know they create the Minnesota Vikings created the market for trading for a quarterback. It's a first round pick, and I think what other teams are gonna say is, well, the Minnesota Vikings are nuts. Um, but at the same time, you know, Vikings are gonna say, and the Vikings are three and all. As we do this show right now, the Minnesota Vikings are 3-0. They won the first game without Bradford, but they won the next two with him. And Bradford's look good. I knock him a lot, but I got to give him some credit where credit's due. Now, he's got a great defense that went into Carolina and kept the Panthers to 10 points in Week 3. But they're 3-0. If Minnesota goes on, wins the division, and has a nice year and makes a little playoff run with Sam Bradford under center, Vikings all of a sudden go, well, yeah, we gave up a first-round pick, but we got a pretty damn good quarterback who, who had a great season for us. Then maybe, you know, I, I don't know, when the Patriots ask for a first-round pick, other teams might say, well, what has Garoppolo done? You know, what? yeah, the, I get you, what you want to say about the market for quarterbacks, but it's not like Garoppolo led the Patriots to, to the playoffs and, and on a run like Sam Bradford led Minnesota. And so maybe then you won't get a first-round pick from him. So I need to see what they could get. You're telling me they get a first-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo in the offseason? I think they absolutely then can. You get, then, you, then you make the deal. It's not even – I mean, I don't even think it's up for debate. I mean, the but kid looks good. But if the kid looks good. If you're telling me you're getting a third, fourth rounder for him, I'm saying, you know what? I'm going to keep him as the backup in case something happens to Brady because he's our best number two option. 
and he might be the best number two option in in all of football. No, so I agree the, with that. You got to see you, the value. I, I need to know the value before I make that decision. Absolutely, but if you can get a number one pick, it's a I, it, even then it's a tough decision because the kid looks like he could be an excellent NFL quarterback. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be the caliber of Tom Brady. But, you know, Brady's – how many years does Brady have left? Two? at Three? I mean, I know he said he wanted to play till he's 45 years old, but what's the likelihood of that? Mm-hmm. So it gets to be an uncomfortable situation, not for this year, not for next year, but after that. Well, do you hold do – you, do you franchise him after next year and hold on to gonna him? They're not going to franchise him. And then you got a Steve well, you Young, Joe Montana mil- situation. You think they would pay the backup quarterback $20 million a year? That's what Kirk Cousins is getting right now, right? Right. That's 20 mil or something gets. crazy? Yeah, they're not going to do they're that. They're not going to do that. There's no way they would do that. Um, and and here's the deal. You mentioned Brady wants to play. I, I tell this to people all the time. This Brady thing isn't going to end well. Like, I just don't think it's going to end well. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be one of these Brady thinks he can still play. Patriots are about to move on. I, I'm going to accept that. The fact that, and the example I always give is that Joe Montana finished his career in a Kansas City Chiefs uniform. And if that can happen, anybody can play anywhere at any time in their careers. And anything can end in any way. And it usually doesn't end... With the, like Dave, we're seeing David Ortiz right now end his career with the Red Sox, go out on top. I think he's the American League MVP. We can get into some of that if you want, but it, th- this is very rare what we're seeing with him. Now I, I say rare. We saw it with with Jeter last year. We see it with Ortiz this year. Um, but I mean, you don't see this. Oh, in this era, lot. and I'm glad that it's in did too because Ortiz is such a vital part of Red Sox history. I'm. He's the greatest clutch hitter and definitely in Red Sox history and maybe in the game. And uh, it would have been a shame to see him go somewhere else. And you know he would have ended up at the Yankees if we didn't keep playing. <laughs> yes, too. I know. He would have. But, I, like, that doesn't happen a lot. And, and for me to sit here and say it's going to happen with Brady, I think I would just be naive. I mean, I expect Brady to – he sounds like this guy that really wants to play, you know, longer than anybody else that's ever played the game and sort of – Prove people wrong. Because- he's, he's already the oldest non-kicker in the NFL right now. So I, I agree with you, man. I think that he's going to go away kicking and screaming. He's not going to – you know, he, he will play for another team if he has yeah, to, I think. he will, and someone's going to give him a shot. But but here's my – here's where I back off the whole, you know, Garoppolo thing. It's that while I think Brady is going to end his career somewhere else, that's not going to happen this year or next. Like, I still think Bill Belichick understands how good Tom Brady is right now, and he's not stupid. He's going to stick with Brady for the next couple of years. So while I do think the ending might not be a perfect ending with Brady in New England, that ending's not coming in the next cup, in the next two years, I don't think. So, you know, you do what you want with Garoppolo. If you can get a first-round pick for him after this season, i do it. Again, I need to see the value, and, and if you could even do that. But... You know, again, you don't see it like that usually. You don't see the perfect ending. We're seeing it right now with David Ortiz. I have my MVP, AL MVP. Everyone's saying Mookie Betts. Uh, Mookie, you know, he drove in a couple runs against the Yankees in the game in which they ended up clinching, even though, as we mentioned, they lost the game. He gets that big hit down the third baseline, and people say, MVP, MVP. In fact, in the post-game celebration, you had David Price... He came in on the mic on Nesson. He's got the goggles on, and they're spraying the champagne. And, and David Price goes, Rick Porcello, Cy Young, Mookie Betts, MVP. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, you got a couple guys in this team that are MVP. You just picked one. Because I know he had a big hit in this game. But what I look at is I say, 
who got intentionally walked to get to Mookie Betts. Absolutely. Big Poppy. I mean, it's a different discussion, too, because it's really like the designated hitter. They discussion. don't get the MVP. They don't get the respect. No. It's the same with the Hall of Fame. People say, well, does David Ortiz make it into the Hall of Fame? It's a, it's a no-brainer. I mean, the guy is one of the greatest hitters of an entire generation. And I agree with you. I think he is the most valuable player on the Red Sox. I think he's the most valuable player in all of baseball. You know why? I mean, look at, look at these numbers that I have for that I'm going to give you right now with David Ortiz. I mean, he has 37 home runs. He has 124 RBIs. His OPS is over 1,000. Those are all the, the most on the team. Now, I understand what Mookie does in right field. I understand what he does, making catches, what he has with his arm, what he does in the base paths. I see all that. I understand the value that he has there. He was moved from the leadoff spot to the cleanup spot, hitting behind Ortiz because Mookie Betts has all this power all of a sudden. And, you know, when you hit over 30 home runs, some people think, well, you shouldn't be in the leadoff spot. Me personally, I liked him in the leadoff spot. I thought the power in that leadoff spot was somewhat unique, and I wanted to, to see that play out. Um, it didn't end up that way. Mookie Betts benefited from it because he ends up having an MVP-type season. But when you really break it down and look at the type of season that David Ortiz is having, line, here's what I want people to do. I want you to line every player in the American League, every hitter, line them all up against the wall. And I want you to tell me who the first person you're taking, you're not taking a leadoff hitter first. You're not even taking a cleanup hitter first. I think you take a number two or a number three hitter first. Who's the best number three hitter in the game? Are you taking somebody off that wall before you take David Ortiz? No way. Why would you? You wouldn't do that. And, and I'm not even saying David Ortiz is my MVP because there's some type of sentimental val value to it. All right, I, I, I'll, I'll tell the truth here. Full disclosure. When David Ortiz retires... When, I, when that hits me, and I don't know when it's going to hit me. It might not hit me until next year's opening day when I'm watching the game going, where the fuck is Big Poppy? Why is he not in this lineup? That might be when it hits me. When it hits me, it's going to hit me hard. I mean, that's going to be a moment that hits me hard that Big Poppy is not walking back through those doors and he's never going to be playing a game for the Red Sox again. It's going to hit me hard. Full disclosure. I'm, that, still, I'm still in disbelief. That's how I feel about the I guy. I think he's going to come back next year. I hope he no, does. No, no way. There's no way. He doesn't. There's not, a, there's not an amount of money that you could give him to come back. I think uh, he's been doing work to just try to stay healthy this year, to, to just sort of play through pain that he has as an old, older dude. I just don't think he's playing. I think he's done. I think he's accepting it. And I think that's why he's playing so well and is so dominant, because I think he's embracing this. I think every time you see him out there, you can tell he's embracing it. You know, before games, he's out running around, waving to the fans, you know, in the outfield. I mean, you, you know what I mean? Like, this is... He knows what's what's coming down the pike. This is it for him, and I just think because of that, he's been zoning. He's been zoning in and focused on every single game, every single at bat. And in the past, not to say that he's a dog, but I mean, human nature is in a 162 game season to have some letdown at times, and maybe not just not have it every single night. I think David Ortiz has brought it every single night, knowing that this is the last time he gets to bring it every single night, you know? And I think that's why he's been so good and so locked in all season long. But, but my point is, sentimental value, I'm putting it aside when I make my MVP pick. I am. I'm doing it. But you can't ignore the fact that what I just said, this farewell tour, this final season, has motivated him so much and has kept him locked in so much that... It makes for the most 
dangerous hitter in all of baseball, in my opinion. And you can't find me a pitcher in the American League that wants to see this guy stick around. You can't find me a pitcher in the American League that would rather pitch to Ortiz than Mookie Betts. I'm sorry. Mookie Betts has been great. He's had an MVP-type season. Unfortunately for him, David Ortiz is the most dangerous hitter in all of baseball this season. And because of that, to me, he's the most valuable. I hope I I made my case very clear. I agree with you. I agree with you. Do you think that they'll split the vote in Boston, though? I don't know. And do you think that he's going to end up as MVP, or do you think he's going to be third? No, you know what? Does Altuve take it because you have Betts and Ortiz? No, I think Betts gets it. I think Betts gets it because I think people, I think voters, I think people live in the moment. And I think you see that hit against the Yankees the other night. I think you, I think they look, they will take into consideration the DH thing. I mean, there's, it's, it's not a coincidence that a DH doesn't get that award. I mean, he doesn't get it for a reason because the people who vote don't feel that the DH is ever worthy enough or at least as worthy as someone who plays the field and can maybe run the bases. I mean, if they did feel that way, there have been some damn good DHs that have deserved that trophy and have not got it. So I don't think David Ortiz is going to get it probably for that reason and the fact that Mookie Betts is a phenomenal all-around player. I'm not trying to take anything away from Mookie Betts. I'm just telling you that if you line him up against the wall and you ask me this season who's the most valuable, I say there is nobody that's more valuable in the league this season than David Ortiz. That's my opinion. Um, but I don't think that's going to be the opinion of the majority who vote. I think they're going to give it to Mookie Betts. I do. Yeah. So, we'll see. But it's certainly an exciting time right now um, in Boston sports and professional sports. We got the Bruins and Celtics ready to start, too. So, uh, you jacked up about? I'm not quite there yet no. with them. because I'm. Look, we're, ta- we're talking about, you know, Ortiz has been such a big part of being a Red Sox fan for more than a decade, and so has Brady. So, and these guys represent the golden era of Boston sports. Yeah. They're both coming to the end. They're both playing at their height. Brady's coming back out of the biggest, you know, out of this deflate gate mess. He's going to come back with the chip on his shoulder, possibly 4-0. You know, we could we could make another 16-0 and run here, man. <laughs> And uh, I'm just so focused on Brady and Ortiz and really trying to enjoy that they're still here. Because like you said, when when Ortiz is gone, it's going to hit me hard. And when Brady's gone, it's going to hit me hard too. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for the Celtics. I think they're going to be pretty good with – now that we got Horford, we got a good core of young guys. We got a great coach. The Bruins, I'm not so excited about. I I still think we have some building. And and I'm bitter that – we had a championship-caliber team. You know, we won one. We lost to the Blackhawks in Game 6, and we had the pieces, the young guys to build with and squandered it. So I'm, st- I, I'm still carrying that resentment well, with the Well, you're Bruins talking about right the now. Sagan trade. Sagan. I, I can't believe we traded him, man. It, it still that was your boy, right? Off. Was he your boy? Yeah, he's a friend of mine. I'm glad he's doing great down in Dallas. I just wish it was with the Bruins. Do you talk to him still? Or? A little bit here and there. I haven't spoken to what him recently. Did you talk to him after that trade? I was with him when he found out. You were with Sagan when he I found out he was trading? I was with him in L.A. And oh, I thought he found out at a 4th of July party. He found out at the 4th of July party down the Cape. I was with him the day before in L.A. And, uh, oh, so he knew the day before that he was getting traded. He got traded. the call that he was going to be traded, but he didn't. I wasn't with him when he found out who he was getting traded to and all that. But oh, take me through. See, this is this is new and exciting information on the Sagan <laughs> trade. Not that we ever want to keep going back uh, to, to that moment in this town, but we might as well while you're here. So take me through that. Yo, we're yo with Sagan in L.A. Yeah, we were at the Roosevelt at the pool at the Roosevelt Hotel. 
And, and uh, it's July. Th- it's the day before. It was probably the second or the third. Oh, it must have been. And, okay. and you know, he had been going through it with the team. They were coming down hard on him. And uh, and you know, he got a call from his agent. He was deflated about it, man. He loved playing in Boston. He loved Boston. And uh, you know, he was bummed out about it. And then I think as the day progressed, whatever trade they had didn't materialize. And then that came, was the day of the draft. He came back. Wait, so that was the day of the draft, right? It may have been. I think it was the draft. Here's what I heard, and. Uh, you know, I tried reporting this, but, you know, nobody wanted to fucking listen to me. Um, I had heard with some people close to Sagan that he was actually, uh, the Bruins, they were trying to trade him to Tampa Bay, which would have got them, I think, like the number three overall pick. And I think they might have even agreed to something, which the Bruins are going to take Jonathan Druin. Um and that ended up maybe that was the trade that, that fell that through. That might have been it, because then he came back and they were, they were going down the Cape. And he found out for sure when he was down the cave. So he gets that. a call. You guys are sitting at a pool, and he gets a call from his agent saying he gets traded, but he doesn't know to who. Right. And then he gets a call saying that he actually wasn't traded, and he was still at the Bruins. I was with him when he got the original call. Okay. He was bummed out. He said the Bruins are going to trade me, and he went back up to his And room. he never saw that coming? I don't know if he saw it coming, but, uh, you know, I was there when that happened. And uh, then he got traded after that, and... The rest is history, man. He scored yeah. 37 goals a season since he got to Dallas. That team has turned around. They're a good young team. And I'm happy for him. I think uh, I think he's playing great down there. I think he's going to have a great career down there. I think he was doomed in Boston looking back at it because he had such a spotlight on him everywhere that he went. You know, people people had it out for him. And, and he was a... He was a young kid who was having a good time, had a big contract, and I think... You know, playing hockey in Boston is a lot different than playing hockey in Dallas as far as oh, everywhere sure. you go, you know, the attention's on you. Our, our hockey players are, are superstars here. Mm-hmm. In Dallas, Dallas is football. Nobody even knows who he is probably, right? I mean, people do, I Some think, down there, do. but it's not like, you know, it's a football town and maybe a basketball town too. So, I, And that was, a, that was the problem. I mean, that was, when you say the Bruins are coming down hot on him, that was the issue. Like... When he went somewhere, everybody knew where he was, and and people would see him out, and he's a young kid, and he's obviously out having a good time, which I have no problem with. I mean, one thing I always said about Sagan and people that came down on him for partying or being out late or showing up to the rink, I said, you know what? I don't have a problem. If you want to go up and be a young kid and party, that's fine. I mean, that's the, I feel like that's part of the business. That's what these kids are going to do. He's a big name. He's living the celebrity lifestyle. It's going to happen. I mean, we put ourselves in his shoes. We'd be doing the same damn thing. The, the problem is, you know, and I, I point out to someone like Patrick Kane, who I heard stories about just being the biggest potty animal, animal in the league. Patrick Kane would go out. He'd be out till all hours of the night. He'd show up at practice the next day. He'd be the best player on the ice. Right. You know, I, I think that maybe what happened with Sagan was he would do all this stuff and he would show up to the ring the next day and, and he wouldn't necessarily be the best player on the ice. Now, there were situations in which I thought maybe he should have been playing more with someone like David Krejci, and maybe the coaches didn't want to have that happen. But, 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 but I mean, that was the thing. When you say they were coming down hot on him, they're coming down right. hot on him because of, what, the partying and the... Well, and I also stuff. think that... I think maybe it wasn't a great fit with the coach and the team philosophy and his style of play. And, you know, Julian's not always great as great with the young players as he is more with the veteran... The, you know, the seasoned veterans. And I think Sagan was always going to grow into the player that he is. It's just a matter of time, man. It, mm-hmm. You know, you, you got to remember, he's 19 years old, 18, 19, and 20 years old when he's with the Bruins. 
what player comes into the NHL at 18, 19, and 20 and dominates physically? You still got you still grown into your body. I don't yeah. care who you are at that age. And he's he's always been in great shape, but you know, to grow into a man's body and to play with the best hockey players in the world from Europe, from Russia, from the States, from Canada. You're going out there every single night, and as a kid, you're just not gonna you're not gonna realize your full potential until you're in your mid twenties. I don't care who you are, mm -hmm. and um, I think that they they really made a mistake because I think he would have grown into that here too, and uh, it's it's tough that he's not with the Bruins. And he man. wanted and, to stay here, right? And, and he wanted absolutely. To stay he loved Boston, and uh, you know I feel like I shouldn't really be talking for him like that, but. Uh, you know, but but from my experience, what what I saw in him, and that's that's where he was at. And then I think it was a sin to get to to to. Uh, I'm drawing a blank now. The defenseman that we got rid of, uh, Doug Hamilton. Hamilton. I think oh. it was a sin to get rid of him, oh, especially. Of we didn't get anything back for these guys, yeah. man. We didn't get anything back. No, I hated those, those. I are, hated the Dougie Hamilton. Those trade. are guys hated that it. can anchor your franchise for a decade. I hated decade. the Boychuk trade. I hated the Hamilton trade. I just, you know. You're talking about top four defensemen, and they never really replaced them. And uh, they find themselves in a weird spot right now, the Bruins, because you, you lose Louie, and I don't care what people said about him. I mean, Louie Erickson is a top six forward that would benefit your hockey club moving forward, but there was a price tag, I think. You know, there was a price you had to say, all right, we're not going over this. I can understand that. Um, they go out, they get David Backus. All right. I, I just, I fit defensively. They need more. They need more. And because Zidane Ochara is not getting any younger. And until they fix that defensive issue, until some of these young kids, um, they, they come up and, and they can prove themselves that they can play top four minutes and, and be top four defensemen, at least get a shot to do that, at least, you know? Until that happens, I think this team's going to struggle still. And Absolutely. so it could very well be another tough season. So that's what I'm talking about. It's like... We squandered a championship, and we waited so long for it, and it just went by in the blink of an eye. We waited so long for that team. We got that team. We got that team for two years, and then we squandered it. And it, and it wasn't because of injury, and it wasn't because of players declining. It was because it was mismanaged, and that's what disappoints me about the situation with the Bruins. So I love the Bruins. I'm always going to love them, and I hope they do well, man. But it's just it's so hard to watch when you saw what we had and what we have now in the, in the manner in which we've come to that, credit, that place. Credit where credit's due. They just made a phenomenal deal with Brad Marchand on an extension. Right, what was it, 49 mil for eight years? Um, that's fantastic, considering what Marshan did for you last season, what he's going to do moving forward. He's 28 years old. He's crushing it in the World Cup of Hockey right now. I think if Marshan and, and his team really wanted to, they could play this thing out and go ask for some for even bigger money you know, per year, you know, average annual. I think the average annual is going to be like 6.125. I mean, what Marshan brings to the table, not just production offensively, but those other intangibles, like being a pest, yeah. being someone that, you know, gets other, you know, draws some penalties, gets in other teams' heads. I love it. I love what he brings yeah, to the table. he's a hell of a player, man. And that's a great deal for him. That I mean, that's a great deal for the Bruins. I always say it. He's like a modern-day Kenny Lindsman. I love Marshawn, man. Yeah, He's a great Ma player. he is. And I'm glad that he'll be sticking around for what is now nine seasons because he had one season left in his current contract. They signed him to an eight-year extension. So, uh, Slane, I I'll let you go. I kept in – I always do this. I have a guest in studio, and I tell you, like, how long I'm going to have you. And then it <laughs> ends up being longer than that. And I just – I could keep going on and on and on where we got no commercials. And, and really, we don't have to end the show ever. But 
I, I will let you go, and, and I appreciate you coming in here. As always, great stuff. Uh, the album, I keep calling it an album. It's an EP. It's called Slain is Dead. I don't right. have the music terminology down. Again, this is a sports show. Right? We're trying <laughs> to get adjusted to it. Slain is Dead. It's available right now on iTunes. And where can you get tickets to your concerts and, and your tour that's going on? It's where on, can you get those? The the record is available on all digital platforms. Amazon, uh, Spotify, uh, iTunes, all that stuff. And um, as far as you can follow me at Slane's World on Twitter and Instagram, S-L-A-I-N-E-S-W-O-R-L-D, or on Facebook at Slane.Official, and you can find ticket links and stay up to date with everything that I'm doing all the time. Awesome. Um, looking forward to hearing more of you, seeing more of you as well on the big screen. And once again, thanks for joining me. Great stuff. Cool. Thanks for having me, man. All right, great stuff right there from Slain. Again, make sure you get his EP, Slain is Dead. And an interesting couple notes on Tyler Sagan that he mentioned. He was with Sagan when he first heard that he was getting traded. And actually, I had heard he was getting traded to Tampa Bay the day of the draft, or maybe it was the day before the draft, and the Bruins were going to get the number three overall pick, I think it was, in return, as I, as I mentioned with Slane, and they were going to take Jonathan Druin. Uh, but what, what Slane was telling me was that Sagan gets the call, gets traded, they're together, he was all upset, and then you know he came to Bo- went back to Boston, flew back to Boston, and the trade was dead. That original trade. And so then it looked like he wasn't getting traded. And then he actually did get traded to Dallas. So that was an interesting uh, little piece of news. And I, I guess confirms what I had thought originally was that there was some type of trade that happened first that then fell apart for whatever reason. But that trade that I heard at the time, that I told people at the time, tweeted it out, you know, told people on the show, nobody wanted to listen, but it was there. Say again to Tampa Bay at first. I think that must have been it. Uh, but you know, interesting to hear the person who was with him the first time getting that call. So moving on from that and closing out the show and the week here, as I do every Friday, it's a segment we call picks, picks five NFL games with the spread. Let's get right to it. Pete hit the music. Well, I'm five and 10 on the season. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I had an awful week one. I improved in week two. And I improved even more in week three, last week going three and two. I look to go at least four and one this week. Three road teams I am picking. There's a lot of road dogs this week. A lot of road dogs. But let's begin with one of my three favorites that I have this week. And it's Carolina. The Carolina Panthers minus three and a half over the Atlanta Falcons. This one is in Atlanta. So Carolina, a road team. Going into Atlanta, and Carolina is a favorite. Now, I did not expect I did not expect the Panthers' season to begin like this, one and two. They're coming off a loss in which they only scored ten points against a very good Minnesota team, but I think they're gonna be able to go in and put up at least thirty on the two and one Atlanta Falcons. I just don't think Atlanta's as good as maybe their record shows, and Carolina certainly isn't as bad as their record shows. I think the Panthers will go into ATL. Cam Newton's going to have a big game. They're going to win, and they're going to win by more than three and a half. Carolina gets back to 500. They win it. The Panthers minus three and a half. 
Then I'm going with the Tennessee Titans, a five-point dog. They, they began as a seven, seven-and-a-half-point dog. They are in Houston against the Houston Texans. Tennessee just lost a tough one to Oakland. I think that was one of these games that maybe we're going to look back on when we get to the AFC wildcard race later in the season. But Tennessee, uh, they show they did show me something. They have shown me something this season, and Houston is losing J.J. Watt. I'm not a believer in Brock Osweiler. They just got shut out by the Patriots. They've had some extra time to get ready for Tennessee, but still, I think the Titans go in, and without J.J. Watt, I think the Titans win it. At first, I was taking them just to pick the points, thinking maybe they lose a close one on the road in Houston. Tennessee, I think they win this game, so you take the points, obviously, taking the Titans at plus five. I think DeMarco Murray is going to be able to run all over Houston. As we said in our daily fantasy sports segment, uh, DeMarco Murray, I'm primed for a big day in my opinion because Houston, uh, they are one of the worst rush defenses in the league, allowing, what is it, 122 rush yards per game? 125.7 to be exact. DeMarco Murray had a big game last week, rushing for over 100 yards. They're using him the right way. I think he has a big day. And for that, I'm going with the Tennessee Titans at plus five. Then I'm going with the Oakland Raiders plus three. I might have picked Oakland so far every week, or at least I picked their game every week this season. I'm taking the Raiders as a three-point dog in Baltimore. The Raiders, look, I think that they're going to be the team that gives Baltimore their first loss of the season. I mean, did, did anybody think that Baltimore would be 3-0? The one thing that did scare me about the Ravens is that nobody really talked about them going into the season. Nobody talked about them. But here's the problem. They're, yeah, they're 3-0. and They're one of five undefeated teams in the league. They beat the Bills at home. They beat Cleveland in Cleveland. They beat Jacksonville in Jacksonville. And they only beat them by two, 19-17. Oakland's going to be a playoff team this year. I'm convinced of it. They're going to win a wild card spot. I don't think Oakland's going to win the division. I really don't. I mean, I I, I think Kansas City's going to win that division. I do. I think the Chiefs are going to win it. I know Denver's 3-0, but I think something's going to happen with Denver. Something's going to happen with Simeon. I, I, maybe that's what I'm rooting for, at least. But I think Kansas City is going to win that division. I think Oakland's going to get a wild card spot. They're 2-1. They're a dog going into Baltimore. Baltimore's not as good as their record shows. I'm going to take the Oakland Raiders to win this game. So you got to take the points. Raiders plus three. Then the Arizona Cardinals. They're, they're going to be your typical bounce back team this season. They are coming off an embarrassing loss to the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. The Cardinals are a seven and a half point favorite at home against the LA Rams. Now the LA Rams are doing something this season that I did not envision. They're two and one. They're in first place in the NFC West. They shut out San Francisco. Excuse me. They got shut out by San Francisco in the first week. But after that, they, they won the next two games. 9-3 win over Seattle. 37-32 win in Tampa Bay. But Arizona, Carson Palmer loves playing at home. They lost to the Patriots in week one. Then he bounced back, put up 40. I think they're going to bounce back again from an embarrassing loss against Buffalo. And uh, they win this one by at least 10 points at home. Carson Palmer, big day. I'm going to take the Cardinals minus seven and a half. And then my fifth and final pick, Sunday Night Football. The Pittsburgh Steelers minus five and a half. The Steelers a five and a half point favorite at home over the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm taking Pittsburgh in this one. A lot of stuff going on. 
Is Jamal Charles going to return for Kansas City? Maybe. If he does, what's that going to look like? Same thing with Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is coming off a suspension, though, so it's not anything health-related. you got to think that Pittsburgh has all the weapons to be able to bounce back. Speaking of bounce back, bounce back from only putting up three points last week in Philadelphia. The Steelers are too good to, to have that type of performance back-to-back -back weeks. Sunday Night Football, when the spotlight is bright, Big Ben, I think he shines. He's getting another one of his weapons back. You know he's bouncing back from a three-point, you know, a three-point performance last week. Steelers win it. They win it by more than five and a half over a very good Kansas City team. But I have to take Pittsburgh minus five and a half. My five picks for week four in the NFL. Carolina minus three and a half. Tennessee plus five. Oakland plus three. Arizona minus seven and a half. And Pittsburgh minus five and a half. I will be back right here in this seat at the Beantown Athletic Studio on Monday to react to it all. Uh, I'm feeling a good bounce back week here. I'm here twice a week now during the NFL season, Monday and Friday, but you can get this show whenever you want. Subscribe at dannypicard.com. Also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, really anywhere podcasts are available. Red Sox, Blue Jays this weekend. Red Sox trying to get home field advantage. Uh, I'll be at that game tonight. We'll be at that game tonight. So uh, it should be an exciting one. Uh, you get the lineup back in order here the next couple days. And then we get into some postseason baseball next week. Can't wait for that. Ryder Cup this weekend. Everybody loves it. And I'm as much as I like to break down a good golf tournament sometimes, you know what? I'm just never into the Ryder Cup that much. I'm sorry. I'm just not. And people say, well, what? What are you, not American? Like, no, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm American. I love my country. I just, the Ryder Cup just is never something I get into. Maybe it's because of the time of year. A lot going on. NFL, college football. You got postseason baseball. Um, you got NHL starting. What, Team Canada, would they win it last night? I didn't watch really any of the World Cup of hockey. And I'm a hockey guy. But what, they, they won it last night, right? Did, did, did I, well, that's what I saw? They were skating around with a trophy like it was a Stanley Cup? I, I wasn't seeing things, Pete, right? That's what happened? I didn't see it. Okay. You, you know what see I did him? see? The putt heard around the world. Oh, the fan that the came fan, out? The fan, yeah. I, I still don't even get it. I love it. I watched the Rory McIlroy video on Twitter. I, I wish we could have the video of how they picked him out of the crowd, right? Wasn't he heckling them and said, oh, you can't make that putt? He was and chirping they, them, yeah. He was chirping. He was running his mouth. And they said, well, put your money where your mouth is. And you know what he did? He put his money where his mouth was, and he buried the putt. But that doesn't mean I'm going to be excited for the Ryder Cup. There's just too much other stuff going on, and I'll react to it all on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, Pete, great to have you back in studio. Look forward to having you in again. I'm back, baby. He's back, and I'll be back Monday. Again, enjoy your weekend. Talk to you soon.